17 of Grace Touch, focusing on Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, which is on October 8th, 2019, and on what God can do in the next three days. So we'll look at what it means that we live in Christ and Christ lives in us and we are one with him as we prepare to launch into the new that God has prepared to us for this year, 5780. So welcome to Grace Touch the Podcast again with your host Coco. Today I would like us to look at what God can do in three days as we lead up to Yom Kippur. I would like us to come into repentance, to examine those things that still separate us from our Lord, from Christ. I'm not talking about our daily sins. I'm talking about the things that we haven't yet grasped, the things that we haven't yet accepted as true, the things that we haven't yet understood, the things that we're not trying to live in that he acquired for us through his death and his resurrection. The next, what he has next in store for us. I would like the coming episodes to be focusing on what we are called to be, how we are called to live, the impact we are called to have in our families, in our friendship groups, in our neighborhood, in our, in, in, in our nation, in, in the world as Christians. I'm, I would like us to look at what it means, for example, to have the mind of Christ and things like that, but in the following episodes. But what I sense for this one is that we should come to God and ask him to help us understand what he means when he says we live in him, he lives in us, we are one with him. What And, 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 and we, we can only do that, in my humble opinion, by repenting for not accepting that as true in the first place. I hope this sounds good to you. Uh, Yom Kippur is traditionally the time for repentance, so I'll start maybe by telling you what it's all about. So Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. Um, it's a very, very important date in the Jewish calendar. It is uh, basically an opportunity to come before God and to cleanse one's, oneself from sins. The Day of Atonement. For on this day he will forgive you to purify you that you be cleansed from all your sins before God. So that's the verse that this is based on. Okay, It generally starts on the 10th day of Tishrei, which this year uh, is starts several minutes before sunset on Tuesday, October 8th until after nightfall on Wednesday, October 9th. Because the days since creation, it starts from the night. It's counted. Days are counted from the night to the day. If you look at Genesis, you'll see what I mean. It's the night and then the day. That's, it's not like we count it as from morning to night. It's from night to the next nightfall that constitutes one day. Okay? So in traditional Jewish uh, uh, religious practices, people spend almost 26 hours afflicting their souls by um, not eating or drinking where possible, not wearing leather, not applying lotions or creams, not washing, not bathing, etc., uh, etc. Et no work is done. Special holiday candles are lit before the onset of the holy days. And the day is spent in the synagogue where there are several prayer services. We're not going to do that. 
I mean, if you want to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. A time of fasting and coming before the Lord is always good. We love that. We love consecration. We love that kind of introspection, especially if it's led by Holy Spirit and prayer and asking God for forgiveness. And uh, we can even read Psalms like they do uh, traditionally for Yom Kippur. But what I would like to call us to as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, as many Jesuses, is to reflect on what ways in which we have failed to believe in Jesus' sacrifice. Let's think about this. Jesus is God. He comes in an incarnate version on earth. He grows up, is born from a, from a human mother's womb, grows up as a baby, then as a child, um, goes through all temptations without making one mistake at any point, without committing sin. Is tested for 40 days in the wilderness through fasting, well, fast, and then is tested by the enemy, passes that test with flying colors, and goes on to ministry for three years, give or take. Then he's crucified. He goes to, to, to Sheol. He comes back. He's resurrected and is seated in the heavenly realms. And he gives us a seat. He gives us a throne in the heavenly realms. And he gives us power. And he gives us authority. And he gives us a mandate. He hands the baton to us for those who follow athletics. It's a relay race, <laughs> except the, the one who was before us is unmatched, unparalleled, and he's God. We are a pale copy compared to him, and we're not even trying to compare ourselves to him. But for some extraordinary reason, he has handed us the mantle because he knows that through our faith in him, we will walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh and accomplish not only the things that he did, but greater things. So I've just sort of quoted from several verses there. Now, listeners, Let's be honest here. How many of us Christians are actually living this? How many of us walk in an area and the atmosphere has changed? How many of us walk somewhere and uh, people who are caught in, 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 the, in some kind of demonic oppression are, are, are set free? Demons start begging us, please do not throw us here or whatever. How many of us pray over people and their legs grow, their eyes, come, their, their eyes grow, their infirmities leave them? Some of us experience that. If you look at um, uh, those... Um, big evangelization meetings all over the world and, and some services in some churches and among certain Christian uh, communities, it happens. Miracles, signs and wonders still happen today. But it should be all of us. Our Lord Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, he did not do all of that for an elite few, a select few to experience his power. If you look at the end of, the, of Matthew, the, the gospel according to Matthew, it says that. These are the signs that will, will accompany every believer. That's what it says. So what is it that we're missing? What is it that we're missing? How come we're not operating in this place of government? This place of governance, this place of authority to bring the kingdom of God, to make it come alive on earth as it is in heaven. That what we bind will be bound, what we loose will be loosed. Bible readers, you know all these promises. They are not poetic. They are not symbolic. They are real. This is truth right here. This is what Jesus did for us. How about we start, start believing in that and actually start walking in that? What is stopping us? So many of us will say, you don't understand. I'm dealing with this. This is happening in my family. I'm ill. I'm, I'm, I'm in debt. Um, you know, this is a foreign world where the enemy uh, pursues, especially those Christians who are after the heart of God. The enemy will try to persecute and stop you. Granted, if he tried that with Jesus, he will certainly try that with us. 
But we know that when our obedience is complete, then the Lord will deal with the rest around us. That's again a Bible verse. Now we have a Google or Bing, whatever tickles your fancy. Look it up. When our obedience is complete, the Lord will deal with the disobedience around us. So it's not about um, us never committing any, committing any sin. It's about us not committing the sins that he has already pointed out to us. And we cannot do that in our own strength, but we can only do it by his grace. His grace is there to empower us to do the right thing. And we're not legalistic in this. It's a, it's a co-work, it's a collaboration with the Holy Spirit, a, 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 an ear and a heart that are sensitive and soft respectively to what the Holy Spirit is saying and a promptitude, an eagerness to obey and an honesty to cry out to God and say, I'm struggling with this, help me. We're needed to bring in a trusted prayer partner. Uh, we've talked about that in previous episodes. To say, pray for me, I'm struggling with this. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. That's what the word says. So again, Please, I'm directing you to the Bible to go and look up these Bible references yourself. Basically, are we at the place of desperation? Not a desperation about the things that are hitting us hard in, in, in this world. Because the Bible actually promises us persecution. So this is not news to us if we've read the Bible properly. But the desperation to enter this realm that Jesus gave us an entry ticket for a permanent entry ticket. Jesus is the door and he's given us the keys to enter this realm and to operate in this realm. We are body, soul, spirit. There's also the mind, etc. I'm making it simple here. We are spiritual beings before we are physical beings. Our spirit being has existed and will exist eternally. It does not die. So how many of us are actually intentionally pursuing the things of the Spirit? How many of us are gluing their eyes to what is unseen? Set your mind on things above. How many of us are responding to God's invitation to come up higher? Beloved ones, this is not a judgment. This is a teaching and the first person I'm teaching to is myself. I can tell you personally, I've reached a point of desperation to see these things happen. I've reached a point of desperation because I know that the Bible is true. I know that those things are real. I know that Jesus meant it. I know that some Christians are already operating in this truth more than others. And I know that God does not prefer one person over another. So I want to see it in my life. I want to see it in my life. Even in the Old Testament, often the Old Testament is taken as a time when um, people were sort of more dimly inspired by God apart from selected prophets, male or female, that God had, had poured his, his power on specifically. Then, you know, they had to uh, sort of consult the oracles to know what God was saying. They had to go to the prophet, etc., etc. But even them, Abraham uh, re received the visit of angels, not just once. They sat with him and ate with him. The angel of the Lord appeared to some men of the Old Testament and women. How can we, who have received Holy Spirit who lives in us, have less open communication with heaven? How is that possible? How can Enoch be, have, been, have been taken up before without knowing, experiencing uh, the death in his flesh by his faith? The Bible says it's by faith that Enoch was taken up. How can that have happened to Enoch? 
before the Holy Spirit was poured out readily on all flesh, as per the, the prophecy uh, uh, by, by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. In those days I will pour out my spirit. You know, you, you know the Bible verse if you're a Bible reading. So how can Enoch, pre that prophecy, have been taken uh, up in heaven? And we who have received Holy Spirit, we who have experienced Pentecost, we who are under the grace and no longer under the law, be walking as if Jesus hadn't died, as if he hadn't been resurrected, as if Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out on earth. Aren't you frustrated by that? I'm calling us to frustration. As I said, as I mentioned in all, all that I said, yes, the enemy attacks us, persecutes us, uh, persecutes marriages, persecutes us through our children, persecutes us through the brokenness in our own lives, the things that have happened in, in our lives before, our ancestry, uh, our transgression, sin, iniquity. Yes. But yes, the door, the way, the truth, the life, our Lord Jesus has given us the key to enter through him and access those things, those wonderful things that are, have been prepared for us since before the earth began, as we know it. So I'm calling us to come before God and say, we have been afflicted. We believe we have been afflicted by the enemy because of our sin, because we opened doors to him in our lives, because we have, we, we, we have, we have made ourselves vulnerable to him. We understand that you've let some of those things happen or let us deal with the consequences of some of those things because you're training us and teaching us. But we also know, Lord, that the hand that, that corrects is also the hand that heals. We are calling to you to say, shed a light, help us understand what's happening. Is it a matter of unconfessed sin? Because sometimes it's that. Is it a matter of repentance? Or is it none of those? Or is this, is this just a training period? Is it a time of waiting for the appointed time because your promises are amen? They are yes and amen and they will happen. Is it a time of training our, our character, of refining our faith? What is going on? Father, we, we, we long for what you prepared for us. We want the fullness of what you prepared for us. So we take advantage of this period of Yom Kippur to come before you and say, examine our hearts, Holy Spirit. Examine our hearts. Is there somebody we need to go and see to say, if I offended you, I, I, I ask for your forgiveness. I, I'm sorry. Are we carrying any grudges in our hearts? It's time to let go. Have we neglected some things God has called us to do? Have we slipped into a habit of being disobedient or slow to obey? And if our heart tells us there is nothing, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Then we can say, Father, your Holy Spirit has shown me, Holy Spirit has shown me that we're okay, there's nothing there's no obstacle because the word says his hand is not too short, right? It's our sins that come in, 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 in between him and us. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. So if, if Holy Spirit tells us you're, you're okay, there's nothing. Father, then what is delaying it? Are my promises being delayed like Daniel's promise? Are you sending angels or archangels to fight the enemy off so that my promises can materialize and manifest in this world? Is it? Are we waiting for an appointed time? Are you waiting for me to, to deal with something? Are you waiting for me to understand something? Is it something where you want me to pursue you? Shall we pursue the Lord intently, knock on his gate because he is the righteous judge? He's a good father. He will answer us. It is his glory to conceal a thing, but it's, it's our duty to pursue him. And, and, and pine and long after the revelation of the fullness of everything that he has in store for us.
So I'm challenging us to make the next three days our days where we, we go through the three days that led up to Jesus' resurrection. Let's spend maybe, and this is a proposition, if you like it, great. Please do send me feedback. Let the first day be, okay, it is no longer I who live. I died with Christ. So the pity parties are gone. The self-pity is gone. The feelings of loneliness are gone. The, the, the anger, and often it's righteous, and the frustration with not being understood because of the calling that God has put on my life or the things that I'm dealing with are gone. I renounce all of those. I throw my crowns at the foot of your, of your throne, Father God. I will no longer complain about those things. If I'm struggling with something, I'll bring it to you. Say, Father, I can't deal with this. Help me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Teach me. Spirit of God, enlighten me. But I will no longer hold pity parties over the difficulties of my life because Jesus, what you walked in was a million times more difficult. There is no way I could have walked in that the way you did. So I humbly come before you and say, this is the death of me. I recognize that I died on that cross with Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Jesus lives in me. Let's look at the Bible before we continue. This is Galatians, Galatians uh, chapter 2, verses 19 to, 20, 19 to 21. Galatians 2, verses 19 to 21. I'll read two versions, the New King James Version and the Passion Translation. Let's start with the New King James Version. For I, through the Lord, died to the Lord that I might live to God. Let me read that one again. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So there's the notion here of knowing that there is no way we can access this new life through, through our own obedience in the law, in the rules, etc. It's all through grace. And Christ did not die in vain. The Passion Translation puts this passage this way. But because the Messiah lives in me, I've now died to the Lord's dominion over me so that I can live for God. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives, for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that amazing? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Or as the Passion puts it, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. Is that how we're living? And again, I'm asking this question first to myself. Am I living a life that allows Christ to live in me? Allows the anointed one to live his life through me? Am I living this empowered life by the faith of the Son of God? Who loves me so much that he gave himself to me and dispenses his life into mine? Do I view God's grace as something peripheral? Let us reflect on those things. 
The Bible tells us that if we seek to live apart from Jesus, we will lose everything. This is Matthew chapter 10, 39, and it's repeated in several other verses. Matthew 16, 25, Mark 8, 35, Luke 9, 24, John 12, 25. I'm going to read all of those in the Passion and the New King James, but I'll first leave the, read the Passion. Matthew 10, 39, All who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. The New King James Version says, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 16, 25, the Passion. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. New King James Version. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Mark 8.35 For if you let your life go for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will continually experience true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. New King James Version For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Luke 9.24 The Passion For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more of true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourselves, you will lose what you try to keep. New King James Version. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. John 12, 25. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life, but the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. New King James Version. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So it is quite clear, isn't it? It is quite clear. So I'm encouraging us to take day one to die. We can extend that to day two, to meditate on what Jesus accomplished for us, his sacrifice, his death, that he went into the darkest place and rise up on the third day with his resurrection, virtually, of course. This is using our imagination to help us experience something of what Jesus experienced. Not that we can, but bind ourselves to him and align ourselves and meditate on what he went through. And on the third day, which is then the day of Yom Kippur, the, 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 the last day, to meditate on what he achieved for us when he was raised up. So what is it that Jesus achieved for us when he was raised up? Let's go through what he said about his death, those three days. Let's go to John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. This time I'm going to read two quite creative translations, the message and the passion. Let's start with the message, John 2, 13, 22. Tear down this temple. When the Passover feast celebrated each spring by the Jews was about to take place, Jesus traveled up to Jerusalem. He found the temple teeming with people selling cattle and sheep and doves. The lone sharks were also there in full strength. Jesus put together a whip out of strips of leather and chased them out of the temple, stampeding the sheep and cattle, upending the tables of the loan trucks, spinning coins left and right. He told the dove merchants, Get your things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a shopping mall. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture, Zeal for your house consumes me. But the Jews were upset. They asked, What credentials can you present to justify this? Jesus answered, Tear down this temple, and in three days I'll put it back together. 
they were indignant. It took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to rebuild it in three days? But Jesus was talking about his body as the temple. Later, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this. Then they put two and two together and believed both what was written in scripture and what Jesus had said. Now let's read the same passage, John two thirteen to 22 in the Passion Translation. But the time was close for the Jewish Passover to begin, so Jesus walked to Jerusalem. As he went into the temple courtyard, he noticed it was filled with merchants selling oxen, lambs, and doves for exorbitant prices, while others were overcharging as they exchanged currency behind their counters. So Jesus found some rope and made it into a whip. Then he drove out every one of them and their animals from the courtyard of the temple, and he kicked over their tables filled with money, scattering it everywhere. And he shouted at the merchants, Get these things out of here. Don't you dare make my father's house into a center for merchandise. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture. I'm consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. But the Jewish religious leaders challenged Jesus. What authorization do you have to do this sort of thing? If God gave you this kind of authority, what supernatural sign will you show us to prove it? Jesus answered, after you destroy this temple, I will raise it up again in three days. Then the Jewish leader sneered. This temple took 46 years to build, and you mean to tell us that you will raise it up in three days? But they didn't understand that Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. But the, the disciples remembered this prophecy after Jesus rose from the dead and believed both the scripture and what Jesus had said. So I'm challenging us to put to death in the next three days, everything that is already dead, everything that is fleshly, that is soulish in us. Holy Spirit can shed a light on those things and bring us to repentance. And this is not unto condemnation. I propose that our biggest sin is a lack of faith in what Jesus has done for us. And by our, I mean the body of Christ overall. Look at the church as it is known on earth today. Most of it operates in powerlessness. I'm not judging I belong to this church. I belong to the body of Christ and I'm a member of it. And I weep over it. I weep over the state that we're in of hopelessness, of, of seeing uh, uh, kids being stabbed and people being shot and women being raped and children being raped and perversion and, and, and families being broken up and our own brokenness that causes these things to happen. I long for us to experience the fullness of what God gave us from before the beginning of time. I'm calling us to weep over this body. To say everything fleshly is crucified. To identify with this death. To spend a day or over the next two days meditating on these things. And the third day to rise up with Jesus and to say, okay, Father, I believe that everything you've given us is, tr is true. I believe that what Jesus accomplished for us is true. I believe, I believe, I believe. And if where our faith is, is, is weak, to cry out and say, help me in my unbelief. Give me the gift of faith. Help me to rise up and to believe without doubting. So that we can enter in what Jesus accomplished for us. What did he do for us? Let's read it in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. The New King James Version says, And raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us 
in Christ Jesus. The Passion Translation says, this is again Ephesians chapter 2, verses 67. He raised us up with Christ the Exalted One, and we ascended with Him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of His grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. There's a footnote in this version that says, to be placed or seated in heaven means we have been given the perfection and authority to be there. And a second footnote says the Aramaic of through the coming ages is the universes, throughout the coming universes. So let us be the visible display of the infinite limitless riches of his grace and kindness which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. Let us become those that signs and wonders follow. Let us become the signs and wonders to this dying world. Let us become the atmosphere changers. Let our shadows heal people. Let the tissues with which we wipe our brow heal people. Let us appear in a, in a space and the demonic run for their lives because we are one in Christ. Not that they'll be afraid of us, but that they will recognize the authority of Jesus in us. They will recognize Jesus in us. They will look at our faces and see Jesus' face. Let us walk in the fullness of what Jesus accomplished for us. That is my prayer for us in the lead up to Yom Kippur. Immediately after Yom Kippur, the custom is to build a sukkah, which is a walled structure, a hut built to provide shade, which evokes the temporary dwellings of the Israelites that the Israelites inhabited on the way out of Egypt, which is like a home away from home. And this is, for me, very symbolic of where we are. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. Our home is with Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit. That we're here now. And we can live as heavenly beings in this world, releasing heaven around us everywhere. We can rejoice in what is coming. We can rejoice in the goodness of God. Even as we repent during this Yom Kippur period, we can be filled with this undercurrent of joy, the joy of being immersed in the spirituality of a day that expresses confidence that God will accept our repentance, forgive our sins, and seal our verdict for a year of life, health, and happiness. And remember that our happiness does not depend on our circumstances. Our happiness only depends on us knowing who we are in Christ and operating in that joy of the Lord that is our strength, regardless of our circumstances. How about that? So thank you for tuning in to this 17th episode of the second season of Grace Touch, focusing on Yom Kippur and on what God can do in three days. Blessings. Please, please do send us feedback, comments, questions, even points of disagreement. This is a teaching for me and for all of us that we might grow and achieve and reach the fullness of everything that God has set aside for us. Blessings. Till next week. This was Coco for Grace Touch. <laughs>